Yes, yes, fill us with the power of Christ, amen? Let's join hands for prayer, and uh, let's just thank God for the gospel, that gospel that by which we are enabled to be reconciled to a holy and righteous God. Would you just do that right there? Just thank him for the gospel. Oh God, we praise you today. Lord, you you do not stand afar off. You do not stand aloof from us. But through Jesus, you made a way that we could be reconciled to you and draw near. And Lord, so we thank you today for that gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins that we might be saved. Lord, may we hold fast to it, cling to it, embrace it, love it, live it, share it. We love you, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would speak to us now. We need to hear from you today. Speak to us now, I ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. And you can have a seat. So last night I stayed up late to watch the Olympics. You see that? See the ending of that? Wow. That was pretty cool. And um, at the end, you know, they had uh, Michael Phelps there with this team of of swimmers, and they were making much of his individual achievements, which are substantive, which are worth talking about, incredible. Right in the middle of it, standing there with his teammates, he just slipped this little phrase in. He said, now, it's about team. It's all about team. Did you get that? It's about team. I want to talk to us today about team and how that fits into God's plan for, for us as a church. Now, This series is called A Church for the World, and when I first envisioned it back in April or May, it's not quite turning out like I envisioned it, and that happens sometimes, but we're just going to go with that. A couple weeks ago, if you recall, if you were here, we talked about the gospel. Remember that? Our core message to the world, and that we've got to get that right first. We've got to get the gospel right. That's the foundation for everything we do. And it it is to be our core message to the world. We're not to add to it or massage it to make it more culturally relevant or palatable. But we are to to cling and hold firm to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the message of his death, burial, and resurrection for our sins, that we might be saved. Then last weekend, we talked about life in a supernatural community and what it could be like. What it could be like in a church that's experiencing the miraculous, the power of God, like we just sang about, the power of Jesus filling our lives and filling this church so that things are happening that can't be explained by human effort or human power or human ingenuity. That's the kind of a church I want to be in, don't you? A supernatural community. We looked at that first church in Acts and we saw how power was related to prayer. And we asked the question, where is the power? And followed up with, where's the prayer? And I hope and pray to God that we become a praying church that seeks God's face. Seeks his face. Today I want to talk about team. You know, I think there are greater things still to be done in this city, don't you? Greater things are still to come in this city, and I believe it's going to come through teams. Teams of Christ followers, teams of people who have been transformed by the power of God, have come together. God has drawn them together and empowered them as a team. 
And now they're moving out and touching the world for God. Greater things. Jesus said, if I go away, then the Holy Spirit will come and you'll be doing greater things. I long for that day also. If you ask me what we're trying to do around here, at New Life, in, in my more frank moments, I would say it like this. What we're trying to do is help thousands upon thousands of self-absorbed suburbanites like me, like you, like our friends, neighbors, co-workers, thousands upon thousands of self-absorbed, consumeristic, central Ohio suburbanites. We want to help them become transformed by the power of God into fully devoted followers of Jesus, first chair, sold out, radically generous, selfless, giving themselves away, followers of Jesus Christ. And that takes transformation, doesn't it? That takes transformation. It takes the power of God. And make no mistake, God is the transformer. (laughs) We cannot transform ourselves by our own effort. We need God to transform us and through us to transform other people. The goal of that transformation is Christ-likeness, the Bible says, into his image, into his image. The question for us might be today, are you more like Jesus Christ today than you were a year ago? Is anybody noticing that? Is anybody mistaking us for Jesus these days? It's a transformation that that God does. He he has Christ-likeness as the goal. It's a continuous, lifelong process. Be transformed, it says, by the renewing of your mind. And it's an inside-out process. We're not just trying to affect behavior modification here. Not outside in, but inside out. Something that starts in here, in our hearts and minds, and works itself out in our lives. Now, when I think about transformation, I'm I'm trying to get better at being simple, okay? And so, I know God's going to do his part. I don't lay awake at night, you know, wondering, is God going to do his part? He's going to do his part. What's our part? And I'm beginning to see this. I want to give you a way of thinking about your personal transformation today in a way I hope will stick with you. A graphic's going to come up on the screen. I'm starting to see our part in personal transformation as having three aspects or three dimensions to it. This is our part. This is how we cooperate, collaborate with God in this process of transformation in our lives. You can view it as a three-legged stool with each leg being vitally important. And the first one, that that vertical piece, is pursuing God. Pursue. Say that with me. Pursue. Pursuing God. You want to be changed? Draw near to God. Pursue Him. Go after Him. I like that word, pursue. New Testament word is love. Love God, it says, with all your heart. But love is a pursuit, is it not? You ever love someone? You ever fall in love with somebody? You pursued them, chased after them? Pursue. Pursue God. Of course, that makes it sound like, sound like God's a little bit elusive. And you know what? I think he is. Isaiah said it this way, Truly, truly, you are a God who hides yourself. Why does God hide himself? Because he wants to be pursued. He wants to be chased. One of the greatest God chasers of all, David, said it this way, My soul follows hard after you. I'm chasing you, God. I'm chasing you. 
You want to become more like God? Draw near to Him. Pursue Him. Kind of like a, a married couple who's been married for 20 or 30 or 40 years. You know, you see them, they walk in the door, and it's like, you guys look the same. You know, you just look the same. You spent all this time together, decades together. You're starting to look alike. And I think God would say, you know, just draw near to me. And you'll start looking more and more like me. First word is pursue God. And we talk about that a lot around here, don't we? Pursuing God, developing a dynamic relationship with God. Just yesterday in my quiet time, I I was spending time with the Lord and and he gave me this thought. It just kind of leaped out the page. He said, you know, your team needs this. And I said, yes, thank you, God. I've I've been looking for something like that. Thank you. It's a dynamic relationship, not static. Dynamic. And around here we talk about Our part, habit number one, developing a daily quiet time with God. You'd be hard-pressed to find a a godly saint, present or past, who didn't strongly, highly recommend that as Christ followers, we take time each and every day to spend time with Jesus. Call it sitting at his feet. Call it daily quiet time with God. Call it prime time. Call it a daily appointment with God. doesn't matter what you call it, we need to do it. And I hope that you will, if you haven't yet, that you'll drop by the bookstore for a buck and pick up this little DVD that you can pop in your computer and it'll kind of guide you through how to have a daily quiet time with God. Just You kind of spend a morning with me and my quiet time and it's it's a way to do it that I hope will uh, inspire you and maybe help you a little bit. So the first part of this three-legged stool is, is the word pursue. Pursue. But that's not all there is to this thing. And it took me a while to realize this. It was really my wife-to-be, Shirley, who helped me understand that it's not just about you and God or me and God. (laughs) You know, she she came into my life and it was kind of like, you know, come down off the mountain to where the people are. It's like, new concept, you know? See, because I liked hanging out with God because God was perfect. And then, but you get it with people and people are not perfect, right? And yet she, probably more than any other person, helped me realize that this thing is to be done in community with other people. Christianity is not a solo sport. It's a team effort. And so there's this second concept in our part. Not only pursue, but connect. Pursue God. Connect with a team. And then third, Serve others together. We're going to talk about that service part next weekend. Okay, we talk about touching the world. But today I want to talk about team, connecting as a team. You may or may not realize this, just about everything that's done around here is a team effort. Did you know that? We are not out to exalt or make a celebrity out of any one individual. We are not about prima donnas around here. It's all about team. Everything you see is a team effort from what's going on in our children's ministries right now to our missions teams that go out during the summer to our worship teams. It's all about team. Problem is, here in America, you know, the predominant philosophy that this country's been built on is is that of rugged individualism. It's kind of like, I can do this, you know. Some of us were brought up with the philosophy, if you want something done right, do it yourself. And I want to argue back against that today. I want to counter that today by talking about God's plan that we team up. Transform people, teaming up 
touching the world together. And some of us, I know this is going to be a stretch, and I want to, I want to stretch you a little bit. I want to push you a little bit, especially if you're a rugged individualist. And you're, you're already resisting this notion of teaming up, okay? So I start thinking about this, and I think, well, you know, team is really deeply rooted in our theology. It's deeply rooted in our understanding of God, of the mission of Jesus. It's really in the DNA of this church. Has been for a long time, and it's in me. Let me talk about this for a minute. Team is rooted in our theology. Technically speaking, theologically speaking, God is a team. Is he not? We call that team what? The Trinity, the Holy Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the ultimate dream team. I mean, they can flat out do it. Whether it was the work of creation, or the work of redemption, or the work of revelation, getting us his word, or the work of taking all of human history to a convergence point where every knee shall bow to Jesus, the team, Team God, makes it happen. God is a team. And so when we team up together to do God's work, we're actually reflecting the nature of our God. You ever think about that before? God is a team. And then I thought about this. Jesus, when he came to this planet, one of the first things he did as an adult was form a team. Jesus had a huge mission that he was engaged in called the kingdom of God, but he did not decide to go about you know, doing that himself. He formed a team, didn't he? He started handpicking guys. And some of those guys were pretty rough-cut guys. They were certainly not finished products. But Jesus looked at people not for what they were, but for what they could become in his presence. So he looked at Peter, this brash, you know, guy who just had foot-and-mouth disease all the time. And he was just rough. And Jesus looked at him and said, you know what? I look at you, I see a rock. Someday you're going to be a rock for me, Peter. And he did, didn't he? He became a rock. Jesus gathered a team together. He hung out with them. He spent three years with them, eating and and walking and teaching and ministering and living life and having conflict and working through conflict and arguing and all the things that teams do, Jesus did with his team. One way to read the Gospels is to read it with that, that set of lenses on. How is Jesus training his team? And of that group of 12, he even got um, tightened the circle even more and he picked three to really invest deeply in, didn't he? Peter, James, and John. A leadership team. I'm telling you, Jesus was all about team. God is all about team. And I thought about that early church, that first church in Jerusalem. And they really were led by a team. Yeah. Those disciples that Jesus trained became the leadership of that first church. They were team-led. That's why you see their names appearing again in Acts and Galatians and in other places. They were led by a team. And then I got to thinking about Paul, and he was a part of several teams. You hear about Paul and Barnabas or Paul and Silas or Paul, Silas, and Timothy and Luke. Paul believed in teams. The church at Antioch sent out these teams, these missionary bands to spread the gospel all throughout the region in Asia Minor. Team, 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 team. If you're looking for it, you see it all throughout the scriptures. And then I got to thinking about 
this church and how team is deep in the DNA of this church. In fact, it was started by a team 23 years ago. You've heard me talk about this. 11 young people. Talk about pretty rough cut. Talk about, you know, a band of people who didn't have it all together. Some of you have been with us all these years and you'd nod your head and say, yeah, that's a pretty ragtag bunch. You know, there is a God in heaven to create a church, you know, out of that group. A team founded this church together. Team has been in our DNA for decades. We believe in team ministry. We believe in team teaching here at New Life. We're not out to set anybody up as a celebrity or a superstar. Team teaching, team worship leading. Our children's ministries and student ministries are led by teams. It's deep in us. Our ministry philosophy has always been team up. All of our daughter churches that we've had a part in helping to start the last nine years were launched out by teams. Not individuals, not even couples, but whole teams moving together in the rhythm of the Holy Spirit to start a new community in other parts of our town, reaching across town. Team. And I realized in me, this is pretty deep. I, I counted up this week. I'm a part of eight teams. Not recommended. You know, don't try this at home. Eight different teams I'm a part of. You know, this church is governed by a team of five elders. It's overseen and governed by a team of five elders. It's led by a a lead team and a ministry leadership team. I'm on eight different teams. I've been on teams for over 25 years. Team is deep in me. Connect with a team. And when I think about this church, I'm starting to see it more and more and more as a collection of teams that happens to all gather together on weekends in three different services. But really, it's, it's a bunch of teams coming together. I heard about a team this week that's preparing to, uh, that's coming together around the mission of going to Iowa, traveling to Iowa and helping with disaster relief there, just being the hands and feet of Jesus to some people who got flooded out several weeks back. Teams. Now, I've come to understand some things about teamwork that I wanted to, uh, to share with you. Well, let me say this first. You, if you think about it, you might realize that you're already probably a part of at least one or two teams. For example, if you're married, how many of you are married? Yeah. Guess what? You're a team. You and your spouse are a team, a a very important team. And making a marriage work takes teamwork, doesn't it? Oh, my gracious, back when we got married, we just didn't know all that was going to be involved, did we? In being a team, in being a parenting team. Oh, my gracious, you know. You're a team. And let me give a little plug right here. Um, There's a movie coming out in a few weeks. It's called Fireproof. You might hear about it. It was made by the same um, group, the little church down in Albany, Georgia, that made Facing the Giants. Remember that one? This one's called Fireproof, and it's about marriage, and it's dynamite. We got to go see a screening of it. And um, we're going to actually take our fall series in September and wrap it around the the coming of that movie. And we're going to talk about marriage and teaming up. And so if you are married, or if you were married, or if you hope to be married someday, or if you know some married people, this will help you. It will help all of us, I think. 
So some of you are already on a team. You're on a marriage team. You have a spouse. And then our families really could be thought of as teams. Really? I mean, we tried to raise our kids. We taught them, you know, we are, we're a team. We're a, we're a lean, mean, blessing machine. And we, we taught our kids, you know, we're to be a blessing wherever we go and bless people. And once or twice, we actually have been a blessing, I think. If my kids have ever stayed with you, I hope they were a blessing to you. And then your small group. I hope that you're in a small group. And I know we've got a lot of folks coming into our church these days. And our ministry, our fall ministry season kicks off in just a couple of weeks. And Jay's going to be up here um, just, you know, like he foaming at the mouth about getting in, connected to a group. And I'm the same way. All of us need to be connected to a small group. And really, that's your first team here in this church is your small group team. Now, I've come to understand some things about teams I want to just mention briefly to you. One, teamwork is more rewarding. It's more rewarding doing it as a team than doing it solo, whatever you're doing. And certainly ministry is more rewarding doing it as a team. When I think back in my life of the highlight moments of my life, almost all of them involve me being a part of a team, doing something together as a team. Doing it as a team is more rewarding. Number two, doing it as a team is messier. Let's be honest. It's less messy if you just go do something yourself, right? Doing it with a team is messier. It just is. Because you've got imperfect people coming together, you know, trying to carry out a mission, and sometimes it's really hard. And sometimes you've got to work through things. About three years ago, I took our ministry leadership team here through a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. It's a great book. In that book, he details and outlines and illustrates, you know, the hard things that that can happen in teams and and the dysfunction that can come into a team. He talks about things like lack of trust that can sabotage a team when there's no trust, when people are, you know, not sure about each other. And it, it can just, that's the foundation is trust and being vulnerable. And he talks about lack of trust and then how that can lead to fear of conflict and you know, he, he makes a case that, that healthy teams got to have conflict because of what's at stake. They've got to have the kind of environment in meetings and so forth where you can say what you think and, and, and really lay it out there. But when there's no trust, then people are holding back. And people are feeling like I've got to walk on eggshells and not say what I really think because of somebody might explode or blow up. And he talks about that. He talks about how that can lead to lack of commitment, lack of buy-in from team members because they haven't been able to have input into the process and they stand back and say, you know, I don't know if I really buy into that. Which can lead to lack of accountability and inattention to results. Even the best teams get a little messy sometimes. Think about your marriage. Has it always been blissful like it is today? I think about one of the great teams in the New Testament where Paul and Barnabas had been paired up by the Holy Spirit, to to do kingdom work for God. But you know what? It got messy. They came to an impasse with each other. There was this other guy, John Mark, and they were getting ready to go out, and Barnabas said, yeah, we've got to take him with us. And Paul said, there's no way we're taking him with us. He bailed on us last time, and it says the dispute became so sharp between them that they what? They parted ways. Teams are messier, I'm just telling you. But so rewarding, so rewarding. 
I was watching the uh, U.S. volleyball team the other night play China. Kicked their rear ends. Nothing against Chinese, but our guys were smoking them. And after every point, you'd see these guys come together in a huddle, you know, in the middle of the court and saying, yeah, way to go. Let's do it. We can do this. We can do this. And patting each other on the back and then going out and spiking some more. And it was cool. It's more rewarding, even though there's a price. A couple other things I've discovered about teams. Teams can form in different ways, can't they? Not just one way to pull a team together. I've seen teams come together in, in different ways. Sometimes teams are drawn together relationally. You know, you've got a, a card club where people are coming and playing cards together and they're developing friendships and relationships around that or guys who go bowling together. Sometimes teams come together relationally. Sometimes teams are drawn together missionally. There's a, there's a mission, there's a task that draws people together. Last week I was walking through and I stumbled in on a meeting of a new team that's just forming uh, these days. And I popped my head in and, and there was a group of six or seven people that were planning and praying for a new ministry startup to special needs children in our church and in our community. And I, I looked around, I don't think those guys knew each other. They were kind of getting to know each other, but what drew them together was that common shared mission and passion for special needs kids. And I could tell it because when I walked in, there was tears streaming down several of their faces because they were talking about the children that they love. So sometimes teams come together around a mission or a task. Other times, teams come together because a leader recruited them. You have this leader, this team leader who's passionate about something and knows that it's bigger than just him or her, and so he begins to invite people onto the team. Say, hey, you want to do this with me? Here's where I'm going. Want to come with me? Our uh, ministry leadership team here at this church is, you know, that kind of a team. It's been recruited, drawn together. And just kind of as a sidebar, let me just... Sometimes people ask me, you know, about working on a church staff and what's involved and what does it take and what do we look for. I look for five things when it comes to somebody coming onto our team, on our ministry leadership team at New Life. I'm just going to give them to you real quick. The first one is character. Non-negotiable. Does this person have character? Oh, I know they have talent coming out their ears. But are they humble? Are they honest? Are they loyal? Are they faithful in the little things? Do they have character? If you invite someone onto your team who doesn't have character, it's going to come back and bite you later, isn't it? Character, competence. Can they do the job? Do they have the skill set to fulfill the role on this team that we have for them? Can they hike the ball? Can they catch the ball? Can they carry the ball? Can they block? Can they do the things that go with this role? Character, competence, chemistry. This one's huge. Neglect this to our own peril. You see, when I'm inviting someone onto a team, I'm inviting them onto something that already exists, that already has people on it. And one of the questions I ask is, is there some chemistry here? Can this person fit with our existing team? You know, they might even have great character and be very talented and be very competent, but they don't have a chemistry with our team. It might get ugly. Then I look for cultural fit with our church. Is this person going to fit with our culture here at New Life? You say, what's that about? Well, just as an example, um, we're kind of casual in our dress around here. We don't, 
Like I don't wear three-piece polyester suits to church. Now, if you do, that's fine. God bless you. But that's just a, a cultural norm around here. We're kind of casual. Someone's got to be able to fit with that to fit on our team. And the fifth thing I look for is charisma. Does this person have spirit-generated, spirit-empowered charisma so that he can invite or she can invite people onto their team and they'll want to be part of it? Character, competence, chemistry, cultural fit, charisma. You know, sometimes teams come together and it's just a God thing. There's no other explanation. And people look around and say, man, I'm part of a team and God did this. I don't know that I would have selected these people. But God's put us together for such a time as this to carry out a certain task that he's tasked us with. That's pretty cool when that happens. And then there's some teams that I think form through an aha moment <laughs> where you're, you're already a group and you realize, you know, we could be a team with a few small tweaks. I'm hoping that many of our small groups, some of which have been meeting for years and, and getting to know each other and studying the Bible and growing closer... I'm hoping that many, many of our small groups will kind of morph into teams this year by taking on a mission and saying, you know, let's do something. Let's do something together. We're close. God's put us together. Let's serve together. Let's take on a mission. Teaming up. I found this, that teams need a clear mission where the energy will dissipate. Teams need leadership. My hope and prayer is that God would raise up all kinds of team leaders around here. That we would actually have a leadership culture. Here's some implications for a church that's intent on teaming up. Like this church. Identifying, enlisting, training, empowering, and supporting team leaders must become a huge priority. Tonight, we've asked all of our small group leaders to come together at 5 o'clock here. And... Uh, Jay and, and you know his team, they're gonna, we're going to begin to invest in our team leaders for this ministry season. Begin to paint a vision for what we're all about, where we're trying to go. We want to be an environment where, where leaders can, can bubble to the surface and be supported, be encouraged, be lifted up, be appreciated. I think uh, that training in team development and team dynamics becomes crucial. Ministry recruiting becomes the art of inviting someone onto a team. So instead of just saying, looking at someone and saying, hey, we need a third grade teacher, you're a living person, you're alive and breathing, would you come and be our third grade teacher? No, what we're going to do is say, Can, we want to invite you onto a team, a children's ministries team that ministers to all the children of new life. You're going to be part of a team in children's ministry or in ushering or a mission team that's going out. See, it's a different mindset, isn't it? Inviting people onto a team. I would say this, learning to become a healthy team member becomes an important matter. I'm excited about a new thing we're starting this fall called T-Life Seminars, Transformed Life Seminars. We're going to have one on each habit. So habit one, having a daily quiet time with God. You'll be able to come to a 90-minute workshop and with others walk through together. How to do this? How, How do I begin to have daily quiet time with God? And then habit two is a weekly connection with a team. And Jay is excited about beginning to offer this workshop 
every month so that those of you who are interested in becoming part of a small group can come and, and work that out with us, others and discover what is, what is involved in being part of a team. What does a good team member look like? What does a good team member do? And then we'll have, Brian's going to lead one on habit three, spiritual partnerships. It's going to be great. Mind shifts must take place. Conversations must change. New questions must be asked. Rugged individualism must be rejected as a philosophy of life. Humility must trump pride. Weaknesses must be acknowledged. What other people bring to the table must be recognized and appreciated. Deference must be learned. Forgiveness must be extended. Verbal discipline must be exercised. Conflict must be worked through, and it won't be boring. If we do this, it will not be boring around here. I can see it. Can you? I can see dozens and dozens and dozens of God-ordained, spirit-empowered teams coming together, seeing God transform their lives, doing life together, getting transparent with each other, and then taking on a kingdom mission and touching the world. I can see it. I can see one team coming together and praying regularly about how they can pool their resources to bless a single mom in our community who's struggling. I can see a team coming together that that their mission is to pray for the high school. They just come together regularly and they pray for the teachers, they pray for the administrators, they pray for the students. They know God wants to do something at the high school. They believe in God and in prayer and they come together around that mission. I think there are groups already doing that. I see a team coming together about just discovering how to lead a congregation deeper into the presence of God in worship. There's a team evangelizing prisoners together. Man, I tell you, about three or four weeks ago on a Saturday night, I got accosted up here by a team. (laughs) This team had just come back from a ministry trip into the prisons where they'd been sharing the gospel with inmates for several days. And I'll tell you what, they were on fire. And at the end of the service, they accosted me, literally. They came over and grabbed me by the lapels and said, Steve, God told us to tell you that you got to go do this. They're foaming at the mouth. <laughs> Rabid, you know, and I'm like, okay, okay, whatever. Just don't bite me, you know. <laughs> There's something about teams, isn't there? When you experience something together powerful it's powerful i see these teams coming together another team comes together around the vision of launching a new church across town a church planting team another team comes together because they they see and they hear about the abuse and the injustice that's going on in southeast asia with little girls being sold into prostitution they say we got to do something about this so they plan a trip to go and visit the international justice mission and just get educated about what's going on and how they could help I see all kinds of teams coming together. It's going to be fun. It's going to be an adventure. It's going to be messy and chaotic. It's going to be worth it. Transform people, teaming up and touching the world. Next weekend, I'm going to talk more about that touching the world piece and just helping us see the possibilities, how God can use us as teams locally, and across the world. 
that I can see it. If I could say one thing to you for for, uh, application this weekend, I would say this. Be open. Be open. You know, these next few weeks... As school starts, we're going to be talking a lot about around here about getting connected up with a small group team. Some of you have never been in a small group before. That scares you. Would you be open to the Holy Spirit? How he might want to team you up with some other folks? About 29 years ago, I became part of a team and it changed my life. <laughs> it changed the whole direction, the whole trajectory of my life was impacted by my participation on that team. I never would have thunk. Never would have thunk how much my life would be changed by that. Be open. In fact, I'll say it this way. Be aggressive. Take the initiative. Start praying, God, link me up. If you're not already, say, God, link me up with some like-minded brothers and sisters that we could become a team and start doing life together and getting real with each other and vulnerable and learning to love one another and this, then send us on a mission together. Transform people, teaming up, touching the world. Pursue God, connect with the team, serve others together. Let's stand together and as you do, I want you to link arms, you know, like teammates do. Like this, okay, with those around you. In one sense, our church is one big team. (laughs) It's okay, ladies, you can do that. Just link up there. Some of your teammates, if you can get up, link up. All across the aisles even, maybe you don't even know some of your teammates' names. That's okay, before you leave today, just get to know them a little bit. And now as a church, let's pray together out loud. Again, let's ask God to do this thing in us, to cause us to be willing, to team us up. He's the God of surprises. He may team you up up with people that you never would have thought. Be open, would you? And just lift those prayers up to God right now, church, would you? God, do this in us. Transform our lives, team us up. Touch the world through us. Just just start raising up those prayers to God.